By the way, here at the KSCO studios, inside it's 74. I have no idea how hot it is outside because I have no intention of going out there. Time now for Mrs. Future and Dr. Future on the radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Ladies and gentlemen, KSCO presents the Dr. Future Show. If you would like to join in our show today, you can call us at 831-479-1080. That's 831-479-1080. And now, your host, Dr. Future. Hey, folks. Welcome to this hot day. It's so hot. So hot. I, I bought a loaf of bread, and by the time I got home, it was toast. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll steal that one. <laughs> it's so hot, Adam and Eve traded their fig leaves for ice cubes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bobby, you're there too, eh? Yeah. Hot in San Francisco? Hot. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it, it, right now it's about 88 degrees. But, you know, sometimes I have this weather vane and yeah. it detects the direction of the wind. Uh-huh. When the wind's coming from the east or the north, yeah. it gets up to 104. And then all of a sudden, there'll be a, a westerly wind, and it'll drop down to like 90 you know, oh. degrees. It's the wind direction that makes the, the difference. The, the, the breezes make the difference. Yeah, so. inland yeah. or ocean, probably. Yeah. Right. We were driving through Napa Valley yesterday on the way home. It was 113 in the valley. 113. And you know what we were doing? We were hanging out with a bunch of friends at a very special event and we were remembering a a dear friend who had passed away but we all sat around a child's swimming pool and some of us sat in the child's swimming pool with our little beach chairs and our feet in the water and so we had this little circle around a pool and it was actually quite lovely in the shade in 110 degree but with cool feet. Yeah, that was our Oakland experience. Yeah. <laughs> in so. the hot meals of Oakland. Before that, <laughs> up in Lake County, we had a buddy who had created a, just in time, I might add, a beautiful spa, an 18-foot diameter a Watsu pool <laughs> with a hot tub. And he was using a heat pump so that the hot tub could go from really hot to really cold in just in a few hours. A couple of hours yeah. from cold It's got it pool. down to 60 degrees, does he? 72. Oh, I, <laughs> 72 was the cold pool. <laughs> yeah, 72 was cold water. Believe me, that's cold when it's Yeah, it was shocking outside. at as 110. You, yeah. As you know, I have a house in Clear Lake, and I checked in the temperature, and it was 115 degrees. Yeah, that's yeah. about yeah. right. We were right around there. We were near Hidden Lake. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was... I was thinking of you, Bill. I was wondering if you were enjoying your house up there. No, I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Not without the heat pump on. Uh We saw some houses around Hidden Lake, and it looked like, wow, that would be nice to live there. Yeah. Yeah, for about, seriously, it's about nine months a year. It's really great. Uh For three months a year, it's pretty hot. Uh Well, the thing is, when I built the house in Clear Lake, I told the contractor, I said, look, whatever size heat pump you recommend for this size square footage, I told him, I said, double it. Ah. And he went, why? And I go, 
because you don't know anything about Lake County, do you? <laughs> in the wintertime, it's cold, and in the summertime, it's hot. Uh-huh. And it works out, works out well, boy. When you turn that thing on, when you walk in, it's like 900 degrees in the house. You turn that thing on, and about, seriously, it's about five minutes, it cools it down. Wow. Yeah, those heat pumps are amazing. Yeah. Nice. Just moves the heat around, huh? Just uh, takes it pumps it right, it right out of the house is what it wow. does. Wow. We need one of those here. <laughs> well, you know, the beautiful thing when you when you have a house that's in a place that's that hot, yeah. you really don't have an insect or rodent problem. They can't handle it. That's right. <laughs> the heat is only for the humans, huh? <laughs> yeah, jeez. It jeez. was so hot, the birds are using oven mitts to pull worms out of the ground. That. <laughs> <laughs> You you have some sort of a book, don't you? Because you can't make these. These are that bad. You no, can't make these up. They're, they're bad. Yeah, they're bad. I I just I just I do like the loaf of bread one though. That's I'm yeah, stealing that's that one. Right. That was good. How about this one? It's so hot you can wash and dry your clothes at the same time. <laughs> there's some there's some that I don't relate to. Like it's so hot, even my wife's heart is melting. Ooh. It's so hot I almost called my ex so I could be around something shady. <laughs> mm. <laughs> now, These no. are Rodney Dangerfield uh, jokes. That is. That's more like Rodney Dangerfield. That's not me. <laughs> it's so hot firecrackers light themselves. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Yeah. With the right kind of glass bottle on the ground, yeah. that does happen. Oh, I believe it. No, really. Seriously. Coke bottles sometimes light grass fires in this kind of heat. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> not good. Uh, it's so hot I saw two fire hydrants fight over a dog. <laughs> hey, speaking of dogs, I, you, you know where yeah. the fastest dogs in the world are? Greyhounds? Australia. Oh, yeah. The fastest dogs in the world are in Australia. You know why? <laughs> why? The trees are 200 miles apart. Oh. <laughs> I'll be here all week. <laughs> but um, boom. <laughs> it's so hot even the artificial flowers are dying. <laughs> It's so hot, my Pop-Tarts popped. <laughs> it's so hot, you can't make a chili dog. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. He'll, be, he'll be here all week. <laughs> it's so hot, I saw the devil in Walmart buying an air conditioner. <laughs> okay, let's go on to our stories, shall we? Sure. <laughs> it hasn't just been hot here on the planet. It's been hot out in space as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's not just us suffering, uh, huh? We didn't do it to ourselves. We no, had help no. from our local star. Well, in early hours of Sunday, the 4th of September, the Solar Orbiter flew by Venus for a gravity assist maneuver. Solar Orbiter is a research probe that's exploring the sun. It's trying to look at the poles of mm-hmm. the sun, which we haven't seen very much of. Right. And it gets closer and closer to the sun by using the Earth and Venus to slingshot it closer and closer in. Uh-huh. That way you don't need as much fuel to get it in the... Right. It, every time it orbits Venus, it gets hurled a little faster and a little closer to the sun a and a little higher, sun. a little further away from the orbit of the planets around the star, the ecliptic. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And as if trying to get the orbiter's attention as it was going by Venus, the sun flung an enormous coronal mass ejection straight at uh, the spacecraft <laughs> and the planet. I can just see the sun's out there looking at this little teeny tiny planet Venus like it's a bug and then spotting this little teeny tiny probe going around Venus going, oh, I see you, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Sends out a solar flare to fry. Well, the good news is that the ship was designed for that. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, smart yeah. monkeys. Yeah, very smart monkeys. We made a probe that can handle a solar flare. They got to wonder about us. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember, the sun is a million times bigger than Venus, so you could put a million Venuses in the sun. Oh, boy. So this is a... And, and you can and imagine And then Venus is a the, million times bigger than the probe. <laughs> yeah, at least. No negative effects to the spacecraft. The solar observatory is designed to handle it. Though Venus lost a bit of atmosphere. Oh, you know, really? When it these, uh, these CMEs at Venus, it loses a little bit of atmosphere. Wow. But at, Venus has so much atmosphere to really oh. miss it. Yeah, yeah. It, it can let some loose into the solar system, huh? Yeah. So now there's like a floating blob of Venus gas. space, Venus well, gas, it's, going it's somewhere, wafting off it is, somewhere. It strips off some gases as the uh, CME wishes by. Huh. So it's kind of like boiling the atmosphere, and then the steam just disappears into the a little bit empty of space around it. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, something like that, Mrs. Future. I'm yeah. just thinking about it. Wish by. Yeah. So the solar orbiter is a quarter of the way through its decade-long mission to observe the sun up close. And it's still on its way to the sun. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's orbited Venus a few times now, yeah. right? It's been around. It's the third flyby. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it passed within 12,500 kilometers from the planet's center, hmm. which is about 6,000 kilometers from its surface. In other words, it passed a distance about half the width of Earth. Right. I was thinking that was not a lot of distance. No, no, it's pretty close. From the planet. So we have a probe that's getting very close to the planet Venus in order to get very close to the sun. That's right, yeah. It's on the way to the sun. So we can really look at the poles of the sun. We've never really seen them. So from Earth, we can only mostly see the equator of the sun. Right, yeah. So the solar orbiter has used the planet's gravity to change its orbit without the need for expensive fuel to do it. When it returns to the sun, its closest approach will be about four and a half million kilometers closer than before on the last Venus slingshot. Pretty cool. So we collected a lot of information on CMEs, and that's really important because they can really put a dent in our day. All right, coronal mass ejections. Maybe somehow we can avoid it or at least plan for it. Yes, like the Carrington event in 1859. Hey, anyway, more after the break. See you in a few. Okay, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Greg. Just sent me a a Facebook page called The People of Burning Man. (laughs) And it looks like uh, people's costumes were enhanced by the new AI program, something like Dolly, that 
manipulates images to make them even look stranger than they were before. Oh, are you going to post a link somewhere? Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, okay. it is definitely. It definitely makes people look like true aliens and not just uh, dress up. Does it conform with the general critique of this year's Burning Man that it was really, it was passable, passing fair until the exit line and it took people an entire half a day to exit? <laughs> yeah, the wait to get out of Burning Man was minimum five hours and in stretched into eight hours. In 110 degree weather. Eight hours, yeah, if you didn't have air conditioning Eight hours in sitting in line in your car, moving inches every hour. With a record number of cars, I might add. 80,000 people were at this year's Burning Man event mm. in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Apparently, there was a lot of people running out of gas, and there was a lot of Well, they're running, running out of gas out of at patients. Empire, Empire uh, Station, which is the closest Gerlach gas. ran out, yeah. Nobody had much gas there. However, those of us who have been there before generally know to fill up in Reno before we embark into this, the strangeness of Burning Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. You've got to bring your own spaceship and expect the unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be prepared. Yeah, you do. Uh, when was the last time you were at Burning Man, Bobby? I think it was 2012. You know, I had gone like nine times. And then I have all these friends from Finland that come every year. And they've gone in the last, well, before COVID, they, they were still coming. Yeah. Yeah. And then the strange thing this year is that there's supposed to be the second renegade burn. But I'm wondering if it actually happened. You know, let's see. Well, the official Burning Man happened. It was so hot, people were happy to go. My friend Bruce Damer, who's often on the show here, has got married just before he went to Burning Man, and he's celebrating in Lake Tahoe. He wasn't going to go spend any more time out on the playa. Well, especially yeah. not after that no. torturous exit. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. That really is why, that was the main reason why I stopped going, because it kept getting worse. It became insane around 2009 at two hours to exit. And then by the time we left, I think we spent four hours in line in 2012. And I was just like, what? This is crazy. Five and a half hours. So. Yeah, stupid. So. It's stupid. Nothing is worth that. Yeah, you're in the middle of nowhere, no roads. You think it would be a little faster. To get yeah, out. Right. But somehow. No, but Burning Man became the man. It's no longer the bastion of creative freedom and self expression. It's just a big corporate art show with a ridiculous line at the end for the people who paid big bucks for their tickets. Well, that's very reductionist thinking, Mrs. Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a lot more than that. Well, nevertheless, it's yeah. still that. <laughs> if you want to reduce it to that. Go ahead. But That's you, just you'll one checkbox among many. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. okay, sure. It sounds like a good reason why you didn't go. I can't stand it. Can't. Yeah, see, there you go. <sighs> it's, a, it's a little hot, you know. A little <laughs> hot at 111. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We didn't go, so we're not going to talk about it too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just... But we went to our own little... What we've been doing since we stopped going to Burning Man is having a Burning Man party. And thank goodness the internet allows citizen journalists to send reports from the burns. So we got a little bit of Mm. color and flavor and a few shots. And then Burning Man, was it media camp? Was it center camp? We had one official Burning Man camera feed, which we were able to watch the man burn and the temple burn. Yeah, yeah, it was a terrible. The, the video, we used to do the video for Burning Man. It was much better. We had an ambient mic so you could actually hear the crowd. They didn't have any mic. Mm-hmm. They had a guy in the studio, some nerd, just talking about what he was seeing and only that part of the time. Yeah, uh, and he got bored and he left and then there was no audio. Yeah, no audio. Yeah, 
there's this massive party going on with no audio. And audio is a good 50% uh, of the movie. At least, yeah. Yeah, right? You didn't even leave a music yeah. track. You had to yeah. add your own. We used to let people change the camera angle and move it around. We had this security camera with like 50 pre-programmed positions. Yeah, John Graham was such uh, a gift to Burning Man because he would bring... Now, he is an astronomer and he is also a super tech who likes to automate things and he yeah. had all kinds of if you could just go to the links and master yeah. the software there's all kinds of ways to play yeah we got we got spoiled with that with john at the helm there yeah. we even had a little golf cart equipped with cameras so we could see where the best party was we could go out there and get close-ups <laughs> as the swarm team we were very willing to do that yeah go yeah, and bring back some close-ups and that was freedom that was freedom until the lawyers stepped in and said hey you know there are naked people out there and they could sue you for having images of them on the internet and and then suddenly no more live feeds except for the remote security camera where you could watch from a distance safety first don't want to impose on anyone <laughs> so yeah. maybe the renegade bird the has freedom something. to be naked goes with the freedom to sue somebody huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least when it when there's money and when there's people have money I they, guess. They can take um, from each other. I'm they really glad to be sheltered from those, those horrible those. issues, those yeah, horrible right. types of people. Anyway, uh, Greg points out there were some great drone shows this year. I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them. Send me a link. I'll take a look. I think drone shows are still in their infancy. We're going to see them getting better and better. Thousand drones designing patterns that we can see in the air above us is a profound thing. It's real three-dimensional art and it can be taken to very high levels of production value. We did see a very interesting drone show today with the drone flown off the top of Mount Everest, right? Uh, yeah, there was somebody who brought a Mavic 3 DJI drone to the top of Everest and was flying it around up there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It shows you that drones can fly at 29,000 feet, which is great. The air is much thinner, though, so it caused a little bit more of a problem for the drone, but it takes more energy, and the cold air reduces the battery life even more, so you've got to really plan your few minutes carefully. Yeah, the shots were kind of short yeah. and sweet. Yeah, but yeah, but they worked. A really great effort. I, I can't remember uh -huh. the fellow's name who did it, but if you Google yeah, drone show from Mount Everest. Drone shots. Drone I would call shots. it a show. Drones uh, from many, Mount Everest. Yes, Mount Everest drone shots. And speaking of Mount Everest, is yeah. a good segue to the Elon Musk SpaceX mission. Yes, all those people that went out to see Artemis, NASA's big rocket, got disappointed once again, as you probably all know, that it did not go up. But SpaceX did go up from the same area. So if you traveled thousands of miles to go see NASA's latest rocket go to the moon, you were disappointed. But you got to see SpaceX launch 51 Starlink satellites from a Falcon 9 and it also launched a new gadget that we have in space. Named Sherpa. Sherpa, the space tug. <laughs> it's a little space tug. Yeah. The little space tug that could. Yes. And what is the little space tug supposed to do when well, it gets into its final well, orbit? It, it goes up in low Earth orbit and it has a number of passengers on board. You know, the tug is pulling them, which are satellites. So it's pulling them into higher orbits. So its job as a tug is to pull a satellite into its appropriate orbit, whether it's 300 miles up or 1,000 miles up or 10,000 miles up. It's got a job. 
All right. And so it, it can pick up a spaceship and then give it a boost to a higher orbit. And then it can jet it out, give it a little push so that it goes fast enough to stay at that orbit. It gets in the right place. A lot of these little um, satellites have built-in navigational capability, too. So it's got to get it in the range where they are operational, mm-hmm. you know, where they can take over. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about it is that these tugs are going to be used for a new... V-band frequency well, the of first one, communications? Uh, this first, the first load that Sherpa is taking this is called the Sherpa LTC-2, to be precise. It's carrying what's called the Starlink Group 420. <laughs> Somebody has a yeah. sense of humor who's naming these things. <laughs> 420. Yeah, it's the 420 mission. The Sherpa is taking the 420 to a higher orbit. Yes. Okie dokie. Yeah, it's, taking, it's testing <laughs> V-band communications for a constellation of 147 broadband satellites. Okay, and what will happen in the V-band range? Well, the V-band, I believe, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe it is an experiment to test a frequency that can be directly received by your cell phone. So you don't need to have a, a, a ground station like or a satellite dish to pick up the mm. signal that your phone can have a direct link to... Uh, are these the new yeah. uh, v, V2 satellites that... Well, I think the, the, the 51 Starlinks are. So it's one of SpaceX's customers. Yes, one of their customers. Okay. Mm. Well, good time for us to go to a little break, a little late, but that's Always just good. how it is Always in the heat. Though. Heat break, heat break, step by. You'll hear more about that in a moment. See you after the break. Be right back. Okay, just got this in from Taylor Barcroft, who's coming in next Tuesday at 2.30 to talk about... All things Apple. Apple stuff, yeah. He will be our favorite AI on everything Apple. He just wanted to let you all know that there's going to be a big announcement 10 to noon tomorrow morning by Apple. If you want to go, go to apple.com. Apple.com and you can listen. And live. 10 to noon. Pacific Actually, it's Daylight not live. Time. They don't do live things anymore. They just tell you when they're releasing their recorded thing. Right. <laughs> don't forget to tell you, the listeners, that it's iOS 16 day. And there's a new family of four iPhone 14s coming out. Three new versions of Apple Watch, Series 8. So if you're looking for a watch or an iPhone... Tomorrow's your day. And if you're looking for a good time... <laughs> That's a different... Well, you might too enjoy late. this. You I mean, you could this. go take your sleeping bag and your lawn chair and camp outside of an Apple store, but those it's, days are gone. No, it, the way you do it now, they have what they call EO, or early ordering. Early ordering. Sure, no more social experience. They just want to collect your money. No, no, no. Don't talk to each other. If that was true, they wouldn't begin it at 5 a.m. in the morning. Oh, okay. So tell me about the EO. This is a contest? Yes, because you begin at 5 a.m. Friday, September 9th, and they'll be in the Apple stores, and early orders will be delivered on Friday, September 16th. Mm. Okay, but if you don't order that very first thing, like at 5 a.m. in the morning... Then you can expect to wait several weeks before you get your phone. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> if so that's you're the, the first, you can get it early. Yes. So but don't camp out in front of an Apple store because then you might not be awake at 5 in the morning. Camp out in front of your computer at 5 That's right. Camp out in front of your computer. Right. Sleep in your chair. Set your alarm for 4.44. So Taylor <laughs> Drink wanted, your coffee. Taylor wanted all you to, you to know that Spend tomorrow is... Spend that dime. Tomorrow? At 5 in the morning. At 5 in the morning is Christmas for Apple loyalists. <laughs> <laughs> You gonna get one, Bobby? You gonna get a new one? I think the the Pi phone might be the Pi phone. I don't know if it, yeah from uh, Elon uh, Tesla. Yeah, that's the one I want to get. I want to. Oh Tesla no, phone. I I haven't heard much about that. Is that a real well, thing? Is that a really uh, there well, really is a Tesla it, phone coming out? Yeah. Yes, there is. But the most important thing is is that T-Mobile is working with SpaceX. And again, it's talking about that C-band, mid-band, which is 2.5 gigahertz, mm -hmm. which is just above your Wi-Fi router, okay? Yeah. And your existing T-Mobile phones can talk to the second generation of Earthlink satellites. Ah. So, so, so you could be anywhere on the planet, anywhere on the planet, and take out your phone and at least send text messages in an emergency. Satellite direct. You know, at the minimum. Yeah, yeah satellite bombing, yeah. Uh, do you need a service? Low-Earth orbit satellites. What no, service well, yeah, do you need? Just uh, SMS or, you well, know, nothing? Uh, it's, what it is, each country has allocated these bands. And apparently this band, 2.5 gigahertz, is what Sprint used to do. So T-Mobile bought Sprint. So they have the phones already. Like you have, I have one in my pocket and... As soon as those satellites, the version 2 satellites, get in space, I should be able to be anywhere on the planet and send a text message, at All least. Right. Maybe in voice later. Okay, yeah. so it's a good time to have a T-Mobile. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I recommend it. Plus, they also have one of the best 5G Wi-Fi capabilities right now with a new router. And so it looks like this is just going to take over the market. Yeah, There's what? no comparison. Where are you getting your phone? You get it from T-Mobile. You can also use AT&T phones because they have the same bands. Some of them do. Mm -hmm. So but, it, it uh, could be widely adopted and it would be another feather in the cap of Elon Musk and Starlink. And, and maybe it would might be so successful it would pay for the Mars expedition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah, something the like thing, that, right? The thing is this, yeah. is that, you know, you could be in Antarctica or you could be on... The poles in the North Pole, yeah. you could still get this service, you know, on your phone. So it's crazy. It makes yeah. the planet totally your oyster, at least in terms yeah. of communication. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, a lot to look forward to. And it's kind of funny that all those Starlinks went up on the same weekend that we're supposed to be watching Artemis. And I guess you could call it the Apollo reboot. <laughs> and sadly, it had a hydrogen leak. And was pulled back into the uh, hangar. It's no longer going to go up, probably not till the, at least to the end of the month. What went wrong, that hydrogen leak, apparently is a result of old technology. It's a sign of Artemis's outdated technology. The space launch system is using hydrogen in combination with oxygen and engines from the space shuttle. Hmm. Apparently, these hydrogen links were so common with the space shuttle that 50% uh, of the time, 
they had to scrub the launch because of hydrogen leaks, even when the space shuttle was going up. Well, well I guess they just figured that's how it works. <laughs> I guess so. You know, it's a cheaper gas than methane or kerosene. Is it, isn't, wasn't the Hindenburg filled with hydrogen? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Nazi uh, hydrogen, am, though. I yeah, am. it was a different <laughs> kind of hydrogen. <laughs> that created oh. a bad reputation yeah. for hydrogen. Yeah, exactly. Very sad reputation. And Do I you think remember the commentary? Oh, the humanity. Remember him? Yeah. Oh, that's so classic. Yeah. It's burning and bursting in the flames and, and it's falling on the morning fast. And all the folks between that this is terrible. This is the one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's, 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 it's the space is running. Oh, four or five hundred feet into the sky. And it, it's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen. The smoke and the flames now. And the flame is crashing to the ground. Not quite to the morning mass. All the humanity and all the fans are just It's ingrained in all our minds and why we've kind of... But we're still using it to put rockets in space. Or trying. Yeah, but it <laughs> yeah. leaks. We're, it leaks. We're, we're not using it to put rockets in space. <laughs> we're trying no, hard to. Are, but trying it's hard not to. for Artemis. Not yet. <laughs> I stand corrected. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, if Artemis... Well, when. Let's just be optimistic. <laughs> the glass is half full here. When Artemis goes up. Hydrogen. Don't, don't say goes up. That's a bad <laughs> connotation. <laughs> you're right. You're right. When it reaches orbit, <laughs> when it heads to the moon, launches for the beyond. Kaboom. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's the lightest element. And that because it's the lightest element, it's surprisingly easy for leaks to occur. Though it's very efficient and you get better gas mileage with it. So it's a trade off. But all the new companies don't use it. They're all using the kerosene and the methane combinations and not having problems with these leaks. The other question is, how damaging is it to the atmosphere when it takes off? I think hydrogen is a cleaner burn. It's actually a very beautiful burn, the way, the way that it actually works. So technically, if we can figure out how to use hydrogen and not have it leak so much, that would be great. Because it is the most abundant element in the universe and is also a source for energy. Yeah, you just have to split water and you get hydrogen and oxygen. Yeah, that's right. Well, the water splitting, the electrolysis process. However, there are other ways of splitting it that are coming into being right now. A local uh, group at UC Santa Cruz who have figured out how to create a new nanomaterial that can split hydrogen and oxygen and water simply by the ability of aluminum to separate the bond. Yeah, it's a combination of aluminum and a little gallium. It's a fascinating thing. The material science world is really creating all kinds of remarkable breakthroughs that allow us to create, in this case, uh, green hydrogen. Yeah. Green hydrogen. The last link in this week's links page is all about that, as the UC Santa Cruz makes a green hydrogen breakthrough. It's a fascinating story. They don't need any energy input, and in, uh, you drop this material in water, and it just bubbles hydrogen like crazy. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. The UC chemistry professor, Scott Oliver, says this, I've never seen anything like it, quote. Hmm. They've got a patent going on it right now. Uh, so this is really good because it will allow us to create the hydrogen for fuel cells. And the fuel cells create electricity by combining hydrogen and oxygen. And the hydrogen reacts with the oxygen to create a, an electrochemical cell like a battery, but it's not a battery, to produce electricity and a little bit of heat. Yeah, uh, that's how those cars, they use fuel cells. Right, fuel and, cells. And, yeah. Fuel cells instead of batteries. That's a whole yeah. interesting topic in and of itself. Fuel, yeah. cells are, well, fuel cells will give you a much longer range. 
And if you can yeah. provide hydrogen for them, you're in a great shape. Anyway, you got to go to a break. We'll be right back. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Yeah, we're just talking about hydrogen to Billy during the break here. One of the things you should know that the Hindenburg, which gave the hydrogen such a bad name, uh, most of the people died not from the hydrogen blast, but from smoke inhalation afterwards mm. and the burning of the cloth and materials and the carpets and the drapes that were on in the ship. Huh. In the Hindenburg. I see. It also fell from quite a height, didn't it? Yeah. It was, but there was... Not because of the hydrogen, though. It was because of those factors, because of I the height, see. because of the Because the, the hydrogen inhalation. burned really yeah. quick, but the yeah. stuff that killed him was the slow yeah. stuff. when hydrogen burns, if it explodes, it goes whoop, right through your system, and it's gone before your nervous system hardly even notices it. Right. You might have all your hair burned off of your legs and stuff. Small, but. fast, out of control. Yeah. Would you like to say hello to Troy from Live Oak? Sure, let's talk to Troy in Live Oak. Yeah. All right. Hi, Troy from Live Oak. Hey, howdy, folks. Uh, howdy, long time listener. Yeah, hey, really hey. enjoy your show. Thank you. Oh, I was wondering, have you guys looked into anhydrous ammonia as a substrate for hydrogen? You've got NH4, you've got four hydrogens, hmm. and there's already infrastructure in place for anhydrous ammonia because these big refrigeration facilities where they have coolers for agricultural products and things like that, they use anhydrous ammonia for cooling. Mm-hmm. And so this is really being looked into by the industry because it's pretty stable. You can load it up on tanker ships and ship it wherever. It's more readily available. And the thing is, the infrastructure is already out there. So, you know, in terms of like a plug-in type situation at a yeah. service station, it's a lot more viable. So, mm. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting idea. I, I, I can see that it's already out there. And nitrogen fertilizer apparently is made from anhydrous ammonia as well. And it's yeah. relatively easy to apply, and it's readily available to producers. But you have to handle it properly, otherwise NH3 can be dangerous. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It can freeze you. Yeah, there's lots of precautions put in place. They have to have special permitting. Oh, but, uh, uh, and according to Wikipedia here, anhydrous ammonia is also a key ingredient in the illegal production of methamphetamines. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah, well, <laughs> well everything's a double-edged details. sword, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I think this is NH4, which is ammonium. Yeah. Really? It says NH3 here. Yeah, NH4 plus is... Uh, is, the, yeah. is the gas for fuel? Yeah, ammonium. Yeah. Ammonium, huh? Also, they're looking at converting diesel engines, beefing them up and converting them to handle this. So, oh, yeah? You know, huh. the, Something to look into because I, I think it's kind of out there maybe sometime soon before we may see hydrogen. I've been looking into hydrogen technology for a long time. Huh. And it just seems like no one's bringing it to market, and this might be a, a means for that to happen. Yeah. Well, you might check our links uh, with the research going on here at UC Santa Cruz. Uh, okay. With creating a breakthrough product in this arena. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. looks looks oh, right. Yeah, surely need it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, surely we can figure this out. We, we've got a lot of amazing minds that are thinking about these things now. Yeah, well, hydrogen is one of those things you can attach to a lot of other molecules. I guess that's where all the research is, is which one is the cheapest, the most abundant, the safest, and the one that'll give us the most bang for the buck. Yeah, and there's also the yeah. approach of how do you generate the electricity? Is it by fuel cell or is it by battery? Or both. Right, because you're getting a net gain of calories or energy, you know, because a lot of times the energy that it takes to do that, you know, you've actually wasted when it comes to heat and compression and all that other stuff. So Yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, my brother Norm says ammonia was used as a fuel in Belgium during World War II. Hmm. Oh. Well, the, see, there you go. You're nothing new under the sun, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Everybody keeps <laughs> yeah. trying to think of new so stuff. We, know- we just know why in a better way now. <laughs> yes. well, well, keep the technology in the public domain. That way it can't be you know, bought out or no one gets an offer they can't refuse. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, good point. Well, it says Japan is burning ammonia on coal plants. Ah. Another well, see, there you things. go. They're already making steps toward that, it looks like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of the key things that we're thinking about. But thanks for reminding us of that. <laughs> sure. All right, well, keep the faith and keep at it. Uh, you guys are inspiring me to get up sometimes. Oh, so there that's you go. great. Oh, glad to hear it, Troy. All right. Hey, there. I got you back. Take care. Yeah. It is. Ammonia. All right. Invent the future you love. <laughs> all right. They say the hydrogen, though, is as green as it gets, that hydrogen combustion is the cleanest of all energy sources on the planet. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty easy to transport. It can be burnt anywhere to generate only water as the byproduct. And the water can be split back into hydrogen and oxygen using like a renewable energy source to create green hydrogen once again. So it's a nice cycle that seems to be very clean. It's just that hydrogen leaks really bad. (laughs) You have to have really good containers for this. And when we consider consumer electronics and cars and stuff like that, we need very high tolerance, uh, much higher than we we'll probably have for quality control if we're going to use well, hydrogen, hydrogen instead of gasoline. You can't contain hydrogen unless you hold on to it with something bigger. Well, the other approach is to use as much as you need in real time. In other words, generate uh, yeah, only as much hydrogen Yeah, that's what you have to do. It's like solar you power. You have to use, use. it in real time. Right. And in fact, all of these fuel cell technologies, it sounds like that's what they do, is they use a chemical process to liberate the hydrogen. Yeah. Then they burn the hydrogen for fuel, and then they restore the properties that allow them to burn more hydrogen or mm. to liberate more hydrogen. To me, the ideal uh, advertising campaign would show someone uh, filling up their car with a garden hose. (laughs) (laughs) Water in, vapor out. Yeah, and and the car contains all the technology to convert that hydrogen into... Right. Well, apparently what's so exciting to Jody Aviation about this uh, hydrocell, or this thing that they just patented, is that it happens at room temperature and can be solar powered, so you don't need to add any energy to liberate the hydrogen. That's always been the big problem with electrolysis, is that you have to burn fuel to get it to liberate the hydrogen. And so using this aluminum gallium process, they can do something just with sunshine. That's the big breakthrough. Yeah, the green hydrogen breakthrough. Oh, thanks, Norm. Germany is investing in H2 storage as an alternative to Putin gas. (laughs) See, Putin is moving us to hydrogen. Yeah. The plan behind the plan. Now, the other link in the hydrogen world is that Joby Aviation, a local company making the eVTOL aircraft that we will soon know and love flying everywhere, they are looking at hydrogen. They bought a company 
called H2Fly. It's a startup called H2Fly. H2Fly. It's a German hydrogen aircraft startup. So it's interesting that Joby acquired sole ownership of the company last year. Airplanes need to fly more than 30 minutes. That's kind of ridiculous in a way to have a plane only fly for half an hour. Yeah. Well, battery power. Better battery. So you get a better battery and fly longer, or you use a fuel cell and have a hydrogen fuel. Yeah. You can last much longer, more like Hybrid is the future. Right. That's the thing is we need to get that. There's aviation fuel up to spec here. We need at least something that we're used to. In terms of, long, that's why Teslas are all good doing two, three hundred miles because we're used to that amount of time before we refill. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want to get stuck between here and Fresno. <laughs> You'd be kind of out of luck. Yes. A quote from Joe Ben Biver of uh, Joe B Aviation. He says, battery electric only moves you. It's very valuable when you want to move across town between cities that are close together. We want to move around the planet. The solution is hydrogen electric, not battery electric. Hydrogen electric is three times higher specific energy than jet fuel. And what is specific energy? That means you can get it from your fuel? It's a measure of how much energy is stored in the fuel. Okay. If you've got three times higher than jet fuel, that's pretty good. If mm-hmm. you can harness it, right? Yeah. So it sounds like Joby's got longer term goals than just moving people around to airports. That's our local area. think tank, boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that reminds me. I wanted to let people know that there is, for those people who like to go to local think tanks, that UC Santa Cruz is having a little event for the next few days called the 5th Annual Blue Innovation Gathering. And this is at the Seymour Marine Discovery Center at UC Santa Cruz for the next three days, September 11th. They will be investigating things that protect our ocean and our water sources, and it includes several hydrogen innovative technologies, so getting fuel cells from hydrogen, including the hydrogen-powered bike that you were talking about. Mm, So it's innovation as well as um, protection. Yes, yes. It was formerly known as the Santa Cruz Blue Tech, and it's hosted by Santa Cruz Works and the Seymour Marine Discovery Center at UC Santa Cruz. So Is it uh, free? Yes, there are free tickets. There are also paid tickets, so you can check it out. I mean, it's on campus, and it's got a lot of events for students. How do I find out more? How do you find out more? You go to santacruzworks.org, where you can get the details on the Blue Innovation 22 Festival. Blue Innovation 22. Okay. That local. So we can have see some pretty cool stuff here locally. Hopefully the temperatures will be a little lower. Yes. Then. And the dates again, September 13th? Starting September 11th, so 11th, 12th, and 13th. Okay. Okay. Put a whole new spin on (laughs) 9-11. Right. (laughs) We're going to up-level our 9-11 experience from now on. All right. Well, hey, that hour went really fast. Look how close we are to the end of the hour. This is KSEO Santa Cruz, and we are about to take a break for the traffic, the weather, and the news. Time now for hour number two of Dr. and Mrs. Future right here on AM 1080 KSCO. And now, your host, Dr. Future. Happy hot afternoon for everyone. (laughs) I hope so. If you're capable of being happy. That's Mrs. Future. I suggest get wet. 
if you can. Get wet. Garden hose at the very least. Huh? At the very least. Yeah. Dive in the ocean, pour a cup of cold water over your head, whatever works. <laughs> and Bobby, our science correspondent in San Francisco, yeah. what do you yeah. suggest to keep cool in this weather? Well, what I got right next to me is one of these bottle misters, you know? And you just put water in it and you just spray it Misting, in your face. Yeah. And That's yeah. very civilized. This is future. Yeah. used to carry that around. That's true. When we would go to Burning Man, I always had a mister, a, right? a mister with a little aroma scented water. That was inside. always appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. These are the issues that we deal with at the heat right now. But in the Ukraine, there's a very interesting story I wanted to share with you that's almost funny. Oh, I, I didn't know that we were allowed to think that the Ukraine was funny. There was a group of hackers, Ukrainian hackers, that posed as attractive women <laughs> on several social media platforms, including Telegram. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Really? They Did caught- they dress up? <laughs> Maybe for the pictures. They probably had some fake pictures. And they contacted Russian soldiers that were in the occupied town of Melitopol. Oh, mm-hmm. the group knew that the Russian soldiers wanted to boast about being warriors to the to uh, the ladies to the ladies, and they mm-hmm. urged them to send pictures, mm-hmm. and they did. Oh, the pictures sent by the soldiers had GPS coordinates on them, sort of invisible metadata, and that was used to identify their location of a remote military base in the occupied. So you're saying this was a Maletopol. digital Matahari? These are yeah. these are spies posing as emails from girls. They're hackers that wanted to find the location of the soldiers <laughs> in occupied towns. Yeah, yeah. Those details were passed on the Ukraine military. So what did they ask? The, these hackers asked these soldiers to send them Send them something? their pictures, you know, of showing their, their virility. Oh. You know, uh-huh. how, how cool they were. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. These soldiers just couldn't yeah, help but this, brag and that well, got that's them it. killed. That's, I doubt if it'll work anymore because now that the Ruskies are aware of this technique uh-huh. for getting here. Because the pictures have GPS coordinate sure. information on it. Sort of reminds me of yeah. the learning curve. It seems like when we still had soldiers in Afghanistan that the soldiers were getting in trouble because their jogging apps were tracing them and that was part of their social media as they were publishing their the perimeter their of the, jogging. Their, uh, their jog- yeah, they were showing their jogging trail and so people who were tracking them could tell like they were jogging around their facility and when and it became a security problem yeah well tracking can be used for your benefit or for your your detriment yeah well that's why it's so important to have peace on earth because we want tracking to be used for our benefit and it always takes one bad apple to ruin it for everybody yeah So we got to look at nature. If you look at your body, the 10 trillion cells, they're tracking each other quite extensively. Yeah, but they're tracking each other in... They're part of one system. Yeah, Yeah, they're cooperating. They're uh, They're coherent. They're all one big we. Yeah, Yeah, and we're not yet. (laughs) But if we were, if we were, our species would have it together. Well, I hope that we get there. This is my view of humanity, is we're in this kind of primordial soup phase of trying to turn into a planetary organism where we're functioning in a unified way for the benefit of all life on the planet. Yeah, that's the paradigm shift, because right now, with uh, us versus them mentality, that doesn't happen. Right. There's always differences. And, And they're always, the paradox of the whole thing is that we're all individuals and we're all connected simultaneously. Right. You know, and both are true. Yeah. How do you embrace that as a way of thinking about Well, I embrace that by allowing myself to believe that humans as an apex species have more freedom than most other life forms. And because we have more freedom, we can make 
higher choices. Well, we, we can, can make think about better it, choices. We're doing more and modify our behavior. And aim to be a bigger species than any of us individually. Yeah. Like aim to be a planetary life force. Aim to be graduate of the Interplanetary Society. That's right. <laughs> the Federation of Planets. That's right. That's right. We are civilized. We are ready for extraterrestrial friendship. I was weaned on Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and in a sense, we were, you know. We are ultra-terrestrials. <laughs> we have, uh, speaking of ultra-terrestrials. Oh, yes, and Gabby points call. out that the big thing, are even pathogens us? Are even pathogens uh, the germs us? us too? Well, I suppose we would have to know through some kind of compatible communication system how to distinguish us and them. Because there's a lot of things that if they weren't inside our gut, we might call pathogens. But since they are inside our gut and they're helping us, we think of them as us. So it's all contextual. Friend or foe. How you does the immune say, system figure that out? That's one well, of the big questions. That's well, the an big, evolving question. Yeah, yeah. The, most of your immune system is in your gut, and it's the microbiota, which are the microbes that actually regulate what comes from externally in your body and then changes it chemically so that it can be accepted into the body. And, so you, you think know, the microbes are gods and they're basically saying which cells are saints and which cells are sinners? Which uh, ones are pathogens well, and which ones are beneficial? Friend or foe? It, it, it's the it, microbes, it, well, it's the little guys? Well, you know, what's interesting is a lot of these lactobacillias, like lactobacillus rotori, what they use is they actually squirt hydrogen peroxide out and most of the microbes that cannot handle oxygen the uh, anaerobic anaerobic bacteria mm. they die off and so that's how they keep good bacteria in your stomach okay uh, so bay. we are yeah. oxygen preferred organisms yes, those are the yeah. ones we like uh, well we, listen we aerobic, have to continue yeah. this conversation after our first break so we'll be right back Okay, welcome back to the show. We got a caller on the line, none other than the good Colonel himself. And we have a text that just came in from Gabby. She's the one that asked whether or not pathogens are us as well, or are we just a host? Or do hosts take on the consciousness of all of the microbes? Uh, who are we in the equation? And when you look at it, we are 90% microbes and 10% human cells in our bodies. But does that mean... I wonder if that is our consciousness. Is You're it, quoting Gabby here. No, for me, no, I wonder, that was Gabby before, but for me, I wonder if our consciousness itself involves those microbes or whether or not we are mostly human. Because well, if this was the case, we would not be human. We'd be only be 10% human if the microbes are not even, but what we consider intelligence is human. Anyway, Bobby, you were saying? Well, the microbes do communicate to the brain. There's all this study about the beneficial biota yeah. talking through the vagus nerve to the brain and sending serotonin and all these neurochemicals to the brain. Yeah. And like all the serotonin in your body, most of it is developed and actually processed in the gut and then sent to the brain. Yeah, but that's mostly so, on the level of sensors. And, and, and then, well, you wouldn't consider it higher intelligence, would you? 
you know, um, that's an interesting question. I, I think we do communicate with all these cells, good and bad. We being and the higher intelligence looking down. Yeah, well, on our, our each of us, body. each of yeah. us with our own cells. Reflecting on our own biology. Right. So the big consciousness within talking to all of the cells that are participating. Yeah, I feel like our higher consciousness is a god to ourselves. They see us as a god. Right. You know, whatever well, cells it's one see big things. commune, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I call well, it an ecosystem. You know, ecosystem yeah. is complex. It's guided by the consciousness of life. And we assume that the immune system sees friend or foe, but I think that on that level it's a different way of thinking about enemies and friends. I think more on that level, it's more of a system. It's just energy moving from one form to another constantly, and the intelligence is distributed through all sides of it. It's not any one particular part that is in charge. And that is confusing to us who like to think of things in terms of sides, us and them, and that sort of thing. That's hmm. interesting to reflect on. Yeah. So we have uh, Colonel Terry on the line? We do. Yeah. He's been patiently yeah. waiting. Hi, right. Colonel Terry. Hey, Colonel Terry. Hi, Colonel Terry. Hi, everybody. Bobby, I'm wondering, do you agree that with James Lovelock, from your learned perspective, you know about the Gaia theorem? The Gaia hypothesis? Hypoth yes, I'm familiar with it. I, I haven't really studied it deeply. So we this down. Were mm -hmm. The Revenge of Gaia, G-A-I-A. -A, the Revenge of Gaia by James Lovelock. I'm looking at my copy. It's not very long, but boy, is it informative. And, of course, his expertise is the Gaia theorem that the Earth is functioning like an organism, and the oceans and the forests are in balance, and that's permitted us and life to evolve here. And, of course, the Industrial Age, he points out with lots of evidence, is destroyed and destroying that with pollution primarily, uh, that balance that Gaia has, had established for us to evolve and prosper, genetically and otherwise. Uh, do you agree with that? Yes, I, I think planet as a whole does respond, and there is a higher level of being. And just like the microbes consider the brain or the humans as a place to live and looks up higher, I think we as humans should look up higher to the Earth itself. And, of course, Gaia is the Greek, the ancient Greek term for Earth Mother that yes. Lovelock selected. Well, the book I'm looking at, The Revenge, the subtitle is The Earth's Climatic Crisis and the Fate of Humanity. Our Climatic Crisis and the Fate of Humanity. And he wrote it as long ago as 2006 and prior. And mm -hmm. every prediction he made then is consequentially manifesting. We have overpopulated, overpolluted overconsumed the resources of the planet and we may be beyond a turning point to fix the decline of the livability of our planet do you agree with that that could be i think we might be underestimating what technology can resolve some of these problems that we anticipate here so obviously yes we're putting too much carbon in the atmosphere and is there a point of no return but you know, could there be a technology that could sequester the carbon? Maybe maybe we could change the temperature of the planet that way. I don't know. I'm just I hoping. It, I describe it as an achievable miracle. And mm. I formulated that term when I worked at the White House Science Office a couple decades ago. That's a great term. <laughs> achievable miracle. And 
I don't think we have political leadership or lack of greed or a way to correct the greed of the oil companies and the petroleum and the, and the fossil fuel industry to address it. I, I think we're headed for the cataclysm. Mm. But in, a, in, in um, reference to the Gaia hypothesis, Colonel, um, is it possible that our species could see itself as a single entity? Define that, please. In the Gaia hypothesis, it, you, you're the single entity would be the, like the Greek goddess of Earth, Gaia. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and it represents the biological systems of the planet, all of them, all the life forms. Now, in the same reasonable way of thinking, all the species would have their entities as well, including us as human species. So we'd have a species identity, if you will, or a, a role within the context of our species intelligence. It seems like the natural corollary to the Gaia hypothesis. Like what kind of earth organ is humanity? If you use the map of the, the, the inter internet is an exonervous system, the, the the military is part of the immune system, that sort of thing. So we're a few organs. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. But the, the overall impact of shall we say the industrial age subsequently is we've poisoned and polluted the planet that we put in risk. It'll adapt. It'll adjust because it's alive. It, it responds to it. Either, either it'll heal itself or it'll get cancer or something. Yeah, and the intention, once the ignorance is discovered, there is a self-correcting aspect to it. It's the nature of life. So I would say that the problems that we have of pollution and all of the excesses of the way that we're managing industrial as if our planet is a machine are being replaced by attitudes that the life is not a machine and that life requires us to look with loving eyes to better understand the needs and that's not how we look at machines hmm. well the oil companies are not looking with loving eyes they look only at their profits the coal well i think that's true of every corporate profiteer and we have a generation of people who have had to conform to that system to make a living because they are divorced from other ways of spending their time that would give them a different understanding. Uh, the commonality the is that everyone wants to be alive, including the oil executives. I mean, they don't want to destroy the planet because then their lives and their families die too. There's a certain point where everyone has to pay attention to each other. I had a conversation 20 years ago with Exxon's CEO in his office Yeah, at the time. And I pointed out to him look the pictures of his grandchildren and that his corporation was leaving pollution and contamination that would impact the health of his grandchildren from even exxon's own research and he communicated to me and one other person what was important was that he was ceo when exxon made more money than at any other time and he had the biggest personal bonuses in history well see you're talking about one person inside of a corporation that is one corporation which is definitely an artery of the flow of goods in the civilization that lives on the planet right now however whenever you have one conversation with one person you have to allow for the thousands of other conversations that are happening and even if that person has aggregated power there's still a relationship that keeps it in check. And that relationship is coming from 
the whole of life. It's not coming from the priorities of one person. It's coming from the beliefs of all people aggregated together from their experiences. And here we are, we're all experiencing things as a global consciousness that we've never experienced before together. We're experiencing the acceleration of technology. We're experiencing the magnification of our understanding of reality through lenses that give us a deeper insight into what's in the center of the molecule and what's at the extreme edge of the universe. We are experiencing together the ability to have more people communicating simultaneously with more people than ever before in history. So we are all together getting a lesson in novelty that cannot be explained by the past and has to be comprehended by the present moment. I find your idealism, beautiful lady, very nice. Well, I'm really believing that we all are on a personal choice point at every moment and we can either choose to go to our highest option and give life our best or we can go towards our lowest option and destroy something that wasn't created by us. And every person has that choice every moment. Yes, and collectively, but on the other hand, not on the other hand, the facts and evidence are the ice sheets are melting, the ocean is polluted, we have altered the atmosphere, and we have especially altered the prospects of increased global warming as a function of, as a reaction of, of a factor. Yeah, we got to do something here. Oh, but even... Go ahead. Uh, you only have a few seconds left, right? But there's a message for you, Colonel. What's uh, it's that? from Gabby. She says she loves Colonel Terry, even if you voted for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to have to go out I, to I, the I, break I, on that one. <laughs> we'll be back. I, I, I presently despise Trump as an informed citizen. Presently. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Colonel Terry, thank you for uh, calling yeah, in. I, I, I do agree with you. Yeah, we've got to do something here. It's getting rather radi- radical. The but question is that, what? Well, you know, group mind stuff. There's a lot of interesting possibilities here. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. You know, it almost doesn't matter what the thing is that brings us all together. Right now, climate change is a good one. But it could be sentient space locusts. <laughs> Careful what you wish yeah. for. It, it, it could we be, can do better than that. Yeah, well, it was what Ronald Reagan had talked about that. The aliens would bring us all together if we had a common thing that threatened our species. Well, what but about a what common about, thing that doesn't threaten our well, species? Well, then we go into our own worlds and hang out by the beach or read or watch TV or, or ride our bikes or whatever we like to do. We all go into our own little universes. Well, but you act so, like that isn't just as unifying. Uh, that is a freedom that we have. Freedom is very unifying. It's nice, but it's more like we naturally know what to do. When things like wars, we have to actually do something to change it so that doesn't happen or we, we, we avoid. Well, you know, it, no, you are confusing. No, I'm, but listen, that's not my behavior point. versus inviting behavior. Neither of them is better than the other. One is more forceful. No. No, and it's like the, the difference between adrenaline and endorphin. They're both important human experiences. And your point is? It's more that we just need what Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, the great filmmaker, would say, the MacGuffin. 
We have a <laughs> MacGuffin. And it's, today it's climate change. It's running out of resources. It's, mm-hmm. um, Some story that we all tell each other so we motivate ourselves to do something. Yeah. Like it's it, not the real problem. No, it's not really it's like, just what motivates us. We blame us. it. Like, yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, it's control. It's, anyway, the idea, though, is that we have something that unites us. All right? And it can be... Anything, but yes, as long as but it, it really doesn't does. have to be an outside be, no. enemy. No, it doesn't no. have to be fear-based. No, that's right, but that works. But you're right. What you're talking about is another kind of strange attractor that brings us all together. One that feels great, the feeling of love, the connectedness, the oneness and joy and the parties that we can have together and, and the abundance, love and lifestyle. What's and the difference between and, affirming and dominating? And affirming is something that yeah. individuals do for themselves because they yeah. want to be aligned with the things around themselves. Yeah, Dominating yeah. is what somebody does to someone else to force them to conform. It's a so different energy. So one is inner-directed, coming from happy, free people, and one is outer-directed, coming from people who don't feel free or safe. Okay, point taken. Okay. Who's on the call? We have Randall from... Pacific Grove. Hi, Randall. Randall, welcome Hi, to the show. Randall. Yeah. Hi. I would disagree with people who say that Joe Biden is not a uniter. I believe he kept his promise on that. He is a great uniter. There is absolute evidence, self-evidence, that he is campaigning to get Donald Trump elected. And if Donald <laughs> Trump does become a running mate... Randall, you're hilarious. Yeah. Once he does become the running mate, he may give his votes to a contender of the Republican Party. But anybody who doesn't vote Republican now has got to be suicidal. Okay. It's got to be. <laughs> what really got, got you about Biden's performance on Independence Hall in Philadelphia? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah. That, also, for example. I'm very suspicious about the weed fire there's a lot of black people that live in weed yeah i got a feeling that they've been neglected and this fire should have been st- isn't this the town where it started at a sawmill weed it meaning, meaning where the fire is up the in near, fire Mount near weed started yeah. at a Just sawmill i heard that so what? yeah okay one one quick thing i gotta say the hetchy hetchy reservoir gets drained there's no salmon gonna swim up a dry river okay Thank you, Randall. I, I just wanted to throw that in. Thank yeah, you. Well, Thank every, you. Right. You're always giving us very useful items. Uh, well, to you're ponder. seeing. I mean, you're Hope you're so. seeing uh, how you things do. how things connect to each other and how one thing affects another, and that's absolutely true. And what's on oh, what's unfolding you. is very complex. It's more complex than a pool ball break, you know, in terms of all the uh, consequences of, of action. So it's great to be able to think them through a little bit, and I, I, we appreciate your input yeah. on that. Yeah, and really, yeah, the beginning you. of okay. healing yeah. is to acknowledge what's going on. But, so appreciate. That. That Even if people do not like their findings, it's better to admit it. I agree. Yeah. And then we got to yeah. take it into a place where we can do something about it. That requires... Right. Face the pragmatic fact. Now that we know that, now what? Yeah, we have well, to, well, we have to approach it with a problem-based... Yeah. I mean, with a solving well, I found mind. out about the ecology, purely scientific approach. I would not want it to be true, but as, a, as somebody who does has been studying the ecology, especially Monterey County, for my whole life, Mm-hmm. I have to admit the findings, whether I like it or not. Yeah. That's just yeah. the way I see it. That's good. I've been involved well, in studying the ecology for a long time, yeah. and I don't like what I found. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, well, they do say the mark well, of a, thank you very a, much. a real, a real science Appreciate thinking it. is to question your own beliefs, to not be afraid. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. You have a good one. Hey, you okay, too. Okay, you too. Thanks right. for the call. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, we do have a lot of callers, but I'm kind of waiting for the screeners to, to let us that, know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a bigger picture here, and as much as we can see the problems with it, we can also see potential solutions because the whole idea of solutions is part of what we do. It's absolutely it's one, one of the capacities of humanity is to solve problems. Yeah, and, and it, I want to do a plug for the Center for Wise Democracy and the idea of wisdom councils. It's another way of solving problems. Yeah, groups of a, people who understand that there are problems to solve brainstorm about what we need to understand about those problems so we can move forward. It's not the same as, I've got the solution, do what I say. It's, there's a problem. Who are we? What should we do to address the problem? Yeah. And what I like about the Wisdom Councils is that they'll take disparate points of view and all in one room, and after a few hours, everyone's helping to solve the problem together. Yes. And how does that happen? You know, that's yes. pretty magical to see people on opposite sides of the fence playing together. And that's really what's needed. That you know, is what's for needed. Moving us all forward. Airing it out, giving everyone a voice, keeping track yeah. of what's said, and then moving forward. We have to listen to each other so we can create advancement. So let's listen to our next caller, shall we? Okay, next caller, yeah. Jordan in Watsonville. Hi, Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Yeah, hi. Thank you for taking my call. I'll sure, be sure. honest, you know, I'm not trying to be rude, but you guys sound like a couple idiot savants. Really well, wait a minute here. No, wait a minute. I thought, we are. Well, I'll, I'll take that. I'll, but especially I, the savant part. Future, what are you saying? You know, okay. sometimes I'm not that well informed and I have an optimistic perspective and then uh -huh. I learn something that makes that seem irrelevant. But it doesn't matter because intentions go towards solutions. Yeah. And even if I'm not informed, I'm open to becoming Even if informed. you're a Rosanna, Rosanna Dennis sometimes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Anyway. But go ahead, go ahead, caller. Go ahead, Jordan. You want to you want to throw a few more uh, th thoughts our way? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I just do. You guys know how American Indians got here? <laughs> I mean, across the Bering Straits and all that. I mean, what do you mean? Yes. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. The species spread. Okay. You know. You know everybody is. Right. Uh, so, hey, you know, I'm a uh -huh. human. I'm in what we call the world's oneness uh, community because. Everybody with the belly button is in the same tribe, from my point of view. We all got here how yeah. we got here. Think of the survival it, it, of the species. Guys, this, <laughs> I, I called you. Yeah. You didn't call me. So if you can let me speak, that'd be wonderful. Well, this is our show. So if you speak, you should say something that makes us yeah. have a great show. If you're going to be Debbie Downer all the time, what are we going to do? <laughs> no, I'm trying... Jesus. You guys, give me a second, would you? Go ahead. We're giving it to you. I'm just saying. Breathe, Use it well. Breathe, Use it wisely. Relax. Okay, I will. I, you know, talking to you liberals, it's really hard to get a word in edgewise, but I'll try. Anyway, the Bering Strait, you're absolutely right. Well, if you notice, it's not there anymore. It melted. Global warming's been around for thousands of years. Why is this so shocking to you guys? And honestly, you say that you, you learn things new all the time. That's something that's been around for thousands of years, and the knowledge has been around for hundreds Dude, of years. Dude, did you totally miss yeah. my point? Uh, do you know what a MacGuffin is? Come again? No, I guess not. Uh, MacGuffin, that's what I call global warming. I think that I think that is it's important, but only as important in the sense of getting us together. It could be any issue. It could be invading aliens. What's important is we get together, not the particular issue. 
So I was not uh, trying to get off on defending uh, the global warming argument at all. That wasn't my point. Yeah, and also just well, in terms actually, of you're Jordan, actually dividing. Um, casting dividing. aspersions about whether we're liberals or conservatives is yeah, actually that's dividing. projection that's, uh, uh, rather than informed description of who we are. Because I think on any group conversation, I contribute something that creates a great deal of opening for people to express their individual expertise and understanding and wisdom. And that is not liberal or conservative. That is just intelligence by cultivating the wisdom within the group. You obviously like to hear yourself a lot, and, and that's fine. I mean, a lot of people do, but there's do you? Well, look, you know, now people are saying, dump the clown now. Okay, okay. so, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? We gave you some time to impress the audience. They're not impressed. you got to change your vibration on this show because this show is meant to inspire. It's really meant to just I, give people a chance to feel better and to contribute something of value. So if you want to be something more than a clown, I suggest you doing that. I feel sorry for you, sir, for marrying her. <laughs> You're nuts. Oh, All right, man. dump the clown now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, Jordan, man. that was not kind. No. But, oh, well, so what? Yeah. Billy Sunshine, what you got? I'll marry any of you. <laughs> I just I just called in for my messages. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> which ones? <laughs> Our messages for you? Oh, well, you know, either anybody's messages now or in the future. Oh, okay. Well, just, give just it, I, and, and to call you a liberal is not to know you at all. Yeah, yeah. you have <laughs> many you. times told her not to even bother with politics. It's, it's just not no, who she is. They don't right? fit. The labels don't. So the labels fit. Call, yeah, but I'm no. an independent really thinker, not. and I'm an I'm a uh, a logical thinker. And any conversation that comes up, I really try to have empathy for where people are coming and what they believe, and whether their information is valid or invalid and whether there's a way to improve upon it. So it's really a process rather than a, whereas, whereas, a position of I expertise. Just say what crazy, I just say, what crazy website have you been looking at? <laughs> You're much more open than I am, darling. Yeah, mm, yeah. Well, yes. that's, that's her speciality. I, that's I my gift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, look, she is a little scary, but I think, you know, Al, you're an amazingly brave man for being, being able to be with son and ride, ride that horse or whatever yeah. son is exactly. Yeah. Wow. God, this is oh, very well, interesting feedback. Yeah. Here, I think I'm so sweet and charming. Oh, yeah. no, you are. Nothing you are, but you're also scary, yeah. you know. Scary in some ways. What, so how do I yeah. scare you? You have to tell me you're, after you're the break. Just, well, you're you're radically open. You're an amazing human being, and amazing human beings frighten us little people. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, thanks, Billy. You make me feel so much better. better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I love yeah. this with you. <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> This is quite, quite synchronicity. 
This is a, quite the funny synchronicity. There's another channel going on where, where son's sisters are all talking to each other and, and, and family. <laughs> and one of them just got a T-shirt that uh, says something very appropriate to our yes, conversation. Yes, Could you read that? I'm, I'm this sure is, uh, this is many son's of the younger listeners sister. who think negatively of me would appreciate this T-shirt. So this is what my sister's T-shirt says. It says, sometimes talking to your sisters is all the therapy you need. And sometimes after talking to your sisters, you need therapy. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> after talking to your sister, you need therapy. Sometimes talking to her is all you need. Therapy you need. Yeah, it's true. So, so keep that in mind. future. I resemble that <laughs> remark. <laughs> but I like it. I like it. Yeah, it makes you think, you know, which is good. <laughs> I say keep a sense of humor, keep the conversation light, and go towards making yourself and everyone around you feel better. Yeah, um, calling Mrs. Future a liberal, that's funny. I've been too. called that's, worse. But, but you, you see, know? liberal, you see most what happens. People don't think of that, think most of me people, that way. No. It seems like most people just argue on that level. Like, okay, you're a liberal. Okay, liberal means this to me. Okay, now that's what you are. And then they build on that. And and then they'll call you another name, and then they'll build on that. And by that time, you're two orders away from who you actually are as sure. human beings. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's, so it's a way of using words to distance yourself from someone. It's very sure. interesting to look at. And since I'm such an argumentative conversationalist, yeah. I usually will interrupt the conversation when it starts deviating like that, when it stops being about the point we're making and starts being about calling each other names, then I stop yeah. having that conversation and keep it back to the logic of what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay, so we got some more, a little more, 10 minutes left? Oh, Bobby, I wanted to ask you, yeah. um, yes. right now the, the government is making noises about bringing out another booster shot, this yes. time Omicron specific for Omicron. I wanted to get your two cents worth on that, that whole issue, now the, the well, mRNA uh, vaccine. Yeah, it's just like getting a flu vaccine for last year's flu. So by the time they roll out this Omicron, there'll be another variant that is not Omicron, but is, you know, more like a coronavirus cold or flu. Another variant. And another variant. And that will be ineffective for this new variant that comes uh -huh. out. So, so it's always changing. You know. And so that's but, great but, for uh, having a new shot. Right? Well, no, no, no. You shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I mean in terms well, of the business I, I of mean, it. I, you know, I, I, in terms I of actually these, getting it is I another story. I talked to these yeah. doctors that used to get flu shots, and they said they stopped getting flu shots because they ended up getting more flus than without. So at a certain flu point, shot. the immune system gets overloaded with, with well, these. Well, no, you train your immune system for last year's variant, you know? Or last uh, month's variant. This year, last the, Years, yeah, last few months. Yeah, what you're doing is you're narrowly programming your immune system to target just that one variant, that old variant, and it hijacks your immune system so that it doesn't prepare itself for an unknown variant. Uh -huh. So you're not prepared for the future. You're only prepared for the past. I think yeah. nature is just better. Nature has well, been trying a lot more things for a lot longer. In this case, and humans be, are just catching up kind of one variant at a time. So you're talking more natural immunity than Mrs. Future. What, I am. What it seems to me yeah. like a lot of people have had the Omicron because it's been so... Virulent. Virulent. Yes. And so a lot of people have natural immunity to it. How does that affect the equation? I haven't heard that discussed in the mainstream media at all as yet. Right. Have you? No, but there's lots of doctors that are addressing yes. that issue. And it's shown that you it's have true. eight times better 
ability to eight times to eight over, times over better a booster shot over a booster shot yes wow well, it really so, has come down to the fact that the people who have the biggest mouthpiece are the ones getting paid to say something. And what they're getting paid to say is basically, don't say anything that will make people less likely to take the vaccine. And that, therefore, the people who have anything to say except that are not being allowed to be heard. Mm-hmm. And that is the big problem. Well, with that's true. There's huge censorship of going speech. on in terms of the media. Yeah. So it's a kind of interesting that AM and FM radio has more freedom than the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, uh, whenever I posted anything on this, it, it's been taken down. Though yeah. lately, it's getting a little better. Yeah. Because people are beginning to realize <laughs> that they're not. If we want the AIs to help us, we have yeah. to make them smarter, not dumber. Right. Right. <laughs> They have to further the conversation, not squelch it. <laughs> yes. That reminds me. There's this new robot dog that has an AI brain. Oh, how yeah. how endearing. Yeah. Well, it's learning to walk. Yeah. Yeah, I it's thought that incredible. was really interesting. Yeah. Well, because it, it used to be you you would train something with a program uh-huh. to how to be, but now the AIs are learning from scratch. They're all be given these baby minds that learn from rolling over on their back and standing up and trying what works and works better than, than telling them what to do. Well, sure. they figure it out for themselves. And, and how much of our education is figuring it out for ourselves? That is the way we learn. We try something, we get a feedback, and we either do more of it if it's a good feedback or less of it if yeah. it's a bad feedback. And the breakthrough with this form of AI is that it is choosing several possibilities of what to do next based on what it has figured out so far itself. Like it's trying to stand up. It pushes up and it goes sideways. It, uh, it pushes up and then Boost to the left, it stays steady. It, it learns things, you know, as, it, as it's doing it. And apparently it's looking at uh, strategies of what to do next based on probabilities of what might work. Mm-hmm. So you think of three things you want to do next now that you're standing up, like walk forward, walk sideways, bend over, then try doing one of those. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, it improves your ability to move in that direction because then if it doesn't work, you'll see what else to do next that might work and you choose one of those options. Mm-hmm. So it's constantly making choices about what to do next based on what happened. Your life learning as opposed to following a program. How does it generate student. options? How does it generate potential choices? Well, that's the AI. It looks at what you've done and looks at what you can do next. Mm-hmm. You know. So it gets the idea of what you can do next from some external source? From what it does. Mm-hmm. what it can do. It, it kind of knows what legs do. I guess there's a certain amount where it knows that legs, that you want to walk. You have legs, you want to walk. Somehow it, it, well, it has figures some, out what it can do with It has some self-identity. It has some yeah. reference system that says, oh, I have legs. What can I do with legs? Oh, legs right. can walk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is a UC Berkeley group, and it's an algorithm called Dreamer. Dreamer, it creates a world model based on what actually is happening. It can project the probability a future action will achieve its goal. Hmm. It improves its accuracy as, as its I projections. I wonder if this, instead of continue. being called artificial intelligence, this should be called something like virtual world intelligence. Well, it's applying intelligence into the real world. It's all about real world. They think that this is how future cars, self-driving cars will work. It will be based on real data. It's like the Tesla database is feeding thousands of cars a second 
all the time into a database of how they're operating, how they're behaving. And it's learning from all of that mm -hmm. constant real world experience. It's mm -hmm. not some abstract model of how they think the world should work because those are never accurate. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same issue with climate change. Right? The, the complexity of what's going on is so big that you have to base what is it going on with what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. So the like self-driving cars are going to get better because they're they're constantly getting input in the real world about how they're what they're doing now is performing, you know, how well it's doing. So it seems to me that humans could do very well by having a very humble relationship with this humongous amount of data that is required to make big choices. That we could recognize that we are smaller than the problems that we want to address ourselves to and we could be a little bit more of a passenger rather than somebody who's trying to control it and push it in a certain direction. Yeah, you don't need to control everything. You don't need to have yeah, that's true. to control everything and the things that you do control maybe shouldn't be on a scale that is beyond your reach rather than thinking that you should terraform a planet, even though you can think like that, maybe what you should do is try and terraform a yard and see how successful you are. You know, just be in scale with your own valid experience. And what do you think you'll learn from that? I think you'll learn to be humble and to play in an ensemble mindset where you realize you're not alone and it's not all up to you. And you have to play harmoniously with others, with agendas that differ from your own. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm, I'm up for trying that. Oh, we have two more calls, by the oh, way. Oh, we do? Okay, let's yeah. get our callers. Wait, All, right. Right. Okay. All right. Really yeah. quick here. Sorry. Hi, John from SoCal. Hi, John. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to point out, I heard some good news last week listening to the BBC. There was a story from Australia about the Great Barrier Reef, and the gentleman was saying how the coral is in better shape now than it's been in for 36 years. How wonderful. And they're, they know how to fix it. They, huh? I think they've had enormous flooding rains for the last couple of years. And it made me think of Dr. Wallach's theory that by damming up all of the rivers around the world starting 100 years ago, that we've deprived the oceans of all these natural minerals that it requires for growth and health. Well, it's moved them to another and location I, than they were thank before. Thank you, John. Yeah, but in the Gaia one. hypothesis, the Earth would use that to its advantage in the long run. It wouldn't just be yeah. a problem, right? It would be repurposed into something more useful. And we're at the end of the show, everybody. This is KSEO okay. Santa Cruz. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you for calling me. Appreciate thanks it. for calling. Yeah, Soleil. enjoy the heat Ten up there. Ten more seconds. Soleil, thanks for calling. Thanks we got to go. Calling. but say, say goodbye to everyone. KSEO Santa Cruz.